sometimes I feel old like I'm going out of style So I turn down the music on my FM dial I beg of you to come and listen for a while And look at this wonderful world through the eyes of a child Good morning, Beards and Brodies. You are listening to the Summit State of Mind, the podcast of Dream Shakes and Stepbacks, and everything Houston Rockets. I am your host, your commissioner, Kenny, and with me is my brother, my tag team partner, the GM, Justin, who just took his first sip of cop coffee early morning. First time we've ever done a morning pod. Uh, how do you feel? It feels like we're like morning radio over here, like a like 790 or 610, waking up early in the morning to do a, a post pod. It makes me want to just uh, speak into the mic, bust down my baritone voice. I'm like, welcome to smooth jazz in the morning with your man, Justin. Yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't as seductive as I thought. But, but you know what? This morning is a morning of sh- mourning because of oh, the last are, are two we, losses. Are we, is it a morning or we are in mourning? It's a morning of where we are in mourning. Oh my goodness, Justin. Well, you should have given me a warning before the morning. Oh God. <laughs> I have to do something to liven up everybody because uh, it's been a, a tough last few days in terms of the games that have been played. Um... I- uh, trying to do post game pods for games one and two. We had it planned and scheduled when we were going to record, but you know, obviously, some things come up, emergencies come up. We were not able to get it done here, but we're here now. We're gonna basically what the rundown today is. We're gonna review games one and two. We're most likely gonna do it together. We'll condense it because uh, GM, what you what you what you were telling me before we started, you were saying uh, between games one and two, like you know, wins are nice, but. You know, it's more, it's more like, uh, wins are nice, but really what, what should be analyzed is more games three and four in terms of because of the closeness of the last, those last two games, right? Yeah, it's more so in the fact like our effectiveness in clutch time, I guess you can say. Is, I mean, you want to focus more on what can make you better. I mean, granted, we did win game one and two. Game, games one was very, uh, we won that handily. Excuse me. Yeah, we really, yeah, we really handled it handily. All game, things considered. I feel like game two was still relatively close, but we pulled away at the end. This is the fourth quarter. Lights out, shooting from the bench with Harden, with Harden on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the bench brigade is what did it. And what I'm starting to see in games three and four is that Mike D'Antoni is starting to stray back to what he does normally in the playoffs where he runs with a six no matter what. And that's it. Um, yeah. Because if you noticed, Jeff Green got heavy minutes, played 30. And I'm wondering if those heavy minutes that he's starting to receive is going to be the reason for why he is starting to slow down possibly a little bit in the sense of production. Um, the one things that I've noticed in the last two games is that production from some of the bench has been not as good with Eric Gordon taking the shots a lot more. His volume is increasing. Others yeah. are decreasing. They're not as much in rhythm. Yeah. And then allowing some moments to be put into the ref's hands instead of forcing the issue. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Good, uh, good, good look so far, uh, as we open up our podcast. It, it's been, for me, it's been so tough to, to watch, uh, because it, th- I mean, the episode, this episode name is basically, uh, a good, a good, uh, reaction to what this season has mostly been, which is the Rockets have 
a high ceiling, high ceiling as in um, championship caliber, a team that is capable of beating anyone in the West, anyone in the NBA, and you're talking low floor in terms in terms of uh, how bad this team can play in clutch situations or in situations where um, you you pull away like they did in Game Four, which we'll go into uh, as the episode progresses, but. You're kind of seeing the low floor now. Now, granted, you 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 do miss Russell Westbrook, obviously, and you could argue if you brought Russell Westbrook in last game, it could have been a little bit easier. But uh, you're kind of starting to see the the output of what this team has been able been able to do when they're doing really well, mm-hmm. and you're also seeing the output of what this team does when they struggle. And uh, speaking and speaking of all of that, let's go ahead and. Uh, Move forward with that now, Justin. Let's talk about games one and two. The first two wins, uh, the first two games, which belong to Houston. Game one was won uh, pretty handily, 123 to 108. Game two was also won handily by the Rockets, 111-98. was close. Game two in particular was close down the stretch up until the fourth quarter where the bench brigade really exploded. I thought it was a big boat of confidence for them with James Harden cheering, going nuts on the bench. Russell Westbrook as well. Uh, Justin, what what did you see from these first two games as uh, takeaways for for what they I guess for what they for what we know now for what they need to do to get their swagger back for Game Five? What did you see the first two games that they need to continue? I think what happened in games one and two was that they built their confidence off of their defense, not necessarily their shooting. I think it was all piggybacked off the defense. They played defense so well. They were all playing on a string. The communication was excellent. And you could see they weren't missing any assignments. And it's funny to me because parts part of their defense was kind of disguised like a zone where they're in a certain area. Yeah, but everyone will still switch based on the area. Like the player will come mm-hmm. in, but they won't they won't necessarily stray away. So it was kind of like a zone-ish um defense mm-hmm. in that sense, mm-hmm. and they defended it so well. They were tr- they were giving them the open threes, but but to the players that they wanted to take, like a Schroeder or a Dort, um you know, you saw those guys how they were shooting and it just wasn't so great. Gilgis George has really came through. I'm not going to, sorry, I mean, outside of games one and two, he's shined in games three and four like a shrewder. Um, Absolutely, yeah. But those guys have, you know, the, the defense with the Rockets is what's the one main aspect of their game that has allowed them to build the confidence, especially the role players. Yeah. You know, those guys are more sensitive. They, they the needle for them needs to be pushed one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So in the sense that they played very solid defense, you see a guy like a Jeff Green running a point five. You're seeing Austin Rivers be more aggressive driving into the paint. You're seeing Daniel House take more shots. Um and Macklemore with the green light in games one and two. It's those things that you see that give those guys confidence. That's the big issue um, after games one and two for games three and four. Um, yeah. But we'll get into that later. Um, the turnover battle, honestly, I do not remember. I do believe that the Rockets were playing very handsy defense. They were putting their hands in there. Which was one of your keys. It was very key for them in order to run away with victories. Is if they're not able to get the ball to turn over, then that'll lead to more second chance points 
for OKC, and that is not what you want for them, considering how we're losing the rebound battle consistently. It doesn't matter. That's how that's just our game. That's how it's going to be. Um, but yeah, yeah. Which, is, which is which is interesting that you say that, by the way, because um, game two, which I, I had just I, I'm looking at the stat sheet right now. Thunder had 13 turnovers as opposed to the Rockets, who only had seven. So it seems like there's a there is a uh, pattern mm-hmm. in terms of what, what one of your keys that was one of the keys before the series was to force turnovers to get the ball out of Chris Paul's hands. Yes, that but, is always your goal. Exactly, and they have been able to do that high energy, high energy defense because the game to the game to end score we held Thunder to under a hundred. Yes, and in game one we held them to only. 108 mm-hmm. so with that said this this team this team here being held to 108 and scoring 98 it makes you kind of think that the the high energy defense that the rockets play knowing that they are they're small they have to be the pests, they have to be mosquito like in their defense games one and two in particular forcing turnovers high energy uh, playing the passing lanes that has to have attributed to their win as well to those two wins as well because of the fact that they were playing high defense which probably gave them confidence on the offense you'd have to agree right 100 percent. i mean the way that you play defense and you reap the rewards when you score off of these turnovers and you see the rhythm in the offense you're disrupting their rhythm so basically they are adjusting their game to you and that is the only way houston will beat any team yeah, not just Oklahoma. Uh huh. Like this team is predicated on the fact that they will make you adjust. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So the fact that their confidence piggybacks off their defense makes complete sense in yeah. my eyes, and that's how it has to be. You know, I mean, guys like Harden, Westbrook, uh, they don't need that. You know, they they're good. You know, they're stars, but it's more so like the Rocos, the PJs, um, the houses that you see is that once their defense is being carried out and executed, that's when you start to see PJ hit corner threes, Rocco take threes from what's it called from, um, you know, from baseline to baseline, like without much, uh, what's it called? Without reckless abandon, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Right. And yeah. you see those guys feed off of that energy because they're confident to know that they can put up the shot. You know, and they can go back to the other end of the court uh-huh. and shut you down. And that's the thing um, with them, especially with the games one and two. You know, like Jeff Green getting so many open shots and just the way that those guys affected them on offense. And he was so key. I mean, we gotta just before we move on, we have to talk about that. We have to talk about Uncle Jeff Green from the Book of Revelations. <laughs> the man has been a revelation in terms of what he's produced. I mean, it makes you think. I mean, Justin, I just have to ask you, like, where has he been? He's been in the league. He's been he had open heart surgery in 2012, found success with the Thunder, and then and then kind of just fell off the face of the earth. He played for nine different teams. What what, what what's given Jeff Green the confidence here just to 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 be successful now in this system? Being back with his old teammates in Harden and Westbrook, like wh- where where has this where's this guy been? Like he hasn't played for a team all year. Scott signed to a ten day contract back in February, yes, and now he's actually found success, 
found a home. Now you're thinking, oh my gosh, like, holy crap, this guy is so good off the bench for what he does. His skill set is so different. I mean, we talked about it in one of the past games when we were watching. We called, you know, we called him the modern day Boris Diaw to Mike D'Antoni, yeah. to Mike D'Antoni's offense. Mm-hmm. What, what, what have you seen here from Jeff Green? It's just in the sense of that when you play for a coach like a coach D'Antoni, he puts you in positions to succeed. That's what he does with many players. And, you know, players that are quote-unquote boneheads or play, players that are not the smartest in the sense of remembering plays. I don't know how many times I've heard stories about Ben McLemore getting lost. Yeah. On the defensive end. Yeah. Getting lost on the offensive end. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And Jeff Green is the one that carries that torch in the sense of that he can. It, D'Antoni just gives him the green light to succeed. And the fact that our offense is predicated on such a motion and free motion type of offense. That's right. Yeah. That, you know, you're not really put in like a you, you you're not being put from point a to point b for him it's more so a free motion where it's like you see this opening you go here yeah you set the screen you read and react uh-huh. you see what the defense gives you and we'll let you make the decision yeah and yeah. when you give a player that freedom and that trust it puts them in uh motions to succeed and that's what i think is going on with jeff green they're trusting him to handle the ball they're trusting him on defense they're trusting him to make decisions and when a coach shows that kind of trust in you you what do you want to do you don't want to let that coach down of course maybe it's just because maybe it's because it's also not feeling any pressure right you'd have to say absolutely not he has no pressure i mean we expected nothing out of him and the fact that we're still getting this production out of him is surprising me because i didn't expect it you know, I don't think any of us did. No, I mean, I thought we were pretty sure at some point, uh, Jeff Green, he was playing well in the bubble. But I, I was, I mean, even me being big Jeff Green advocator mm-hmm. that I am, I was kind of expecting, okay, well, the drop off was going to happen at some point. Well, I mean, I assumed that it was going to end up being like a Damari or a Luke that was eventually going to take the spot. But boy, were we wrong! I mean, little did we know that Jeff Green's ball handling skills was what was going to keep him on the floor because it gives Harden. A, a point off, you know, to uh, absolutely, but I do think that once Russ comes back, that Jeff Green's effectiveness is going to skyrocket tenfold because he will be the third option to handle the ball because yeah. you don't even want Eric Gordon handling the ball anymore. I honestly. am, I, uh, that is man, I just feel like out of respect for Mr. Fundamental, we shouldn't even touch the subject without his presence here because <laughs> I'm sure our man. Has a lot to say. And friends, I'm just letting you know now, at some point, we're going to bring him on. Mm. Uh, maybe this weekend, we'll discuss things with him. Because there's gonna there's a lot that we need to talk yeah. about in terms of Eric Gordon. But, but you're right, what? though. For Jeff Green, yeah. wow. Like, he is going to sky... He is, his, uh, his output is going to skyrocket if and when Westbrook comes back. Yes. Just because, you're right, him being the third ball handler and... um. For the the one thing I noticed in, in game uh game four, uh it might have been in the first or the second quarter, there there was a great play where Jeff Green brought the ball up the court and he actually he took it hard and set the screen and it was an almost like an inverted pick and roll mm-hmm. where it was a pick and roll mo- an inverted pick and roll motion where Harden flashed inside where he Harden sets the screen Jeff Green goes around to his left side which causes the double um I think. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't Dort. Dort came on the switch, and I think 
Shoot, I can't remember. Basley. Basley messes up. Basley basically shades to double Jeff Green. Mm-hmm. Harden Harden uh, peeks at the free throw line. He peekaboos the free throw line and peels back to the three-point line, which leaves Harden wide open. So mm-hmm. Jeff Green, playing the point guard, finds James Harden off the ball, which is what mm-hmm. we've needed from James Harden yes. since uh, forever. And we're seeing that now with Jeff Green and, and, mm. and good, and good points too. You're, you're saying that for, in terms of, uh, Jeff Green's production, because mm. it has been, he has been God, a godsend, a revelation. Well, I, I will say this though. When you see a James Harden setting screens for a Jeff Green, it shows that James Harden trusts him in the sense to make the decision off the roll. Absolutely. Because do you see him setting screens for an Eric Gordon? No. Even though I feel like that can be effective, but he doesn't because he doesn't trust Eric's, decision making in the sense he'll let someone else do it and he'll hang out um you know on the other side of the court it's just i guess because his play is so sporadic in the sense um because i mean the only guys i've seen Harden set screens for all year russ russ and jeff green and what does that tell you because you see russ set screens for james harden as well in the sense of like just those two feeding off each other yes of course of course and the fact that we see that of a james playing off the ball it says a lot about what he believes in jeff green's game yeah so in that sense it's kind of um eye-opening uh-huh i mean jeff green was still i think he was a plus on the court this last game because the only negatives that I saw on the court from game four were Austin Rivers, even though he only played eight minutes or 15 minutes, sorry. And uh, Eric Gordon, even though he scored 23 points, his volume shooting may have helped, but his volume shooting also may have hurt us because if he's not affecting the game defensively, because that's what his best aspect of his game has been all series was his defense. But if he's not affecting it defensively, but he's still shooting the ball well. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. It, I'm not sure about the effectiveness. It, it, I. I. It, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty speechless. <laughs> I'm pretty speechless in this sense. Um, it, it, the games. I'll say this though: for the first two games, mm-hmm. uh, the the mythos of the myth that is Eric Gordon. He played decently. Played well. Mm-hmm. All things considered. And because of Jeff Green, because of Austin Rivers, because of BMAC and Harden just being what he was, game one, him, game one, him being a killer offensively, uh, scored 37 points. And then game two, probably having one of the worst shooting games of his entire playoff career and still handling them pretty handily. I thought game two was after game two was telling man, like Chris Paul can't seem to get past anybody. Chris Paul's old. Mm -hmm. It seems like there's no way that they can beat us. So. With that said, Justin, um, we need to we'll, – we'll go ahead and move on now past games one and two because Chris Paul does end up picking up speed mm-hmm. and the Thunder do pick up their rhythm with their crazy – with their crazy-ass three-guard lineup and Lou Dort playing godly defense on Harden, supposedly. Um, we'll go ahead and move on from that now. And, uh, man, these last two games really made me, like, really, really, like, upset. It made me sad. Like, I, I thought to myself, I really needed a, I really needed a pick-me-up. Speaking of pick-me-ups, everybody, you guys need, pick-me-ups are something that, you know, if you're down and you want maybe something to do, something that'll make you feel better, something that'll make you feel good. Well, I'm gonna tell you something, guys, right now. If you're into anime and if you're into, 
different uh different types of anime and if you want to be make that to be a representation of your wardrobe and things that you wear i have some great news coming out for y'all because my best friend owner the operator of day off is going to come out with his first ever pop-up shop hey beards and brodies on august 29th from 11 a.m to 4 p.m uh, my best friend Chris Chavez is going to be hosting his first ever pop-up shop for the big-time brand known as Day Off. It's going to take place at the Yasumi Workshop, located in Bean Here Coffee Lab and Studios, another great uh, sponsor for us. Uh, they are located at 310 McKeever Road. I'll say that again, 310 McKeever Road in Arcola, Texas. There's going to be a lot of fun things to do, great activities, fun things to check out. There's going to be a new, there's going to be new gear dropping as well as a DI. DIY section where you can print on select vintage pieces and make a unique one out of one piece. That's right. So basically what's going to happen is my best my best friend Chris is going to uh going to basically walk you through the whole process. You're essentially taking a little workshop, a little class on how to print graphic design and then you're going to get to take home. You're going to get to do it yourself. You're going to get to take home your own one out of one piece or something that you want to give to your friends and family. That's cool too. But basically you're going to be able to do that all for yourself and then there's also going to be new select gear dropping just exclusively for this pop-up shop i highly recommend each and every one of y'all be sure to check it out because on august 29th i mean with this impending hurricane obviously but it should be post hurricane already and if you guys need something fun to do be sure to check this out it's going to be a lot of fun a lot of activities it's also taking place inside being here so you guys can uh, hang out drink some get some delicious some of the best coffee in Houston and just check out, uh, and check out the, uh, pop-up shop because it's going to be a lot of fun things to do. The commissioner and the GM will be live there. We're going to help out the nature boy with whatever he needs. Uh, we're basically going to be workers for that day and we're going to help him out with what, uh, whatever he needs in terms of that. So, uh, we're just, we'll be there for that. So come by, come say hi and, uh, just be sure to check out, uh, the Yasumi workshop for day off's first ever pop-up shop. Uh, there's going to be a lot of, there, is going to be a lot of different um, things. A lot of safety parameters are going to take place. There's going to be ma- uh, you're going to be required to wear masks. Don't worry about that. There's going to be a lot of safety parameters in, in terms of that. So I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. Bring your friends. Bring your family for the first ever day off pop up shop located once again at the Yasumi Workshop and Bean Here Coffee Lab and Studios. And be sure to go Plus Ultra. Welcome back, Beards and Brodies. You are listening to Midnight Thunder on the 12 a.m. hour. Psych! Screw the Oklahoma City Thunder. We are a Houston Rockets podcast. You are listening to the Summit State of Mind. Just making sure that people understand who we are and what we represent. You damn right. Ain't that right, Kamish? You damn right. Oh, I'm the commission. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. That's how you know it's early. That's how you know it's still early in the That's morning. Got a little confused. That's how you know it's it's definitely early in the morning. I, I definitely need a bit. I just need to pop. I need a. I need to put on my uh, my AirPods and listen to some Good Morning by Kanye to wake myself up. Yes, I need something get like that. A little hyped, just a little bit. I need to get myself hyped. God damn it! I need to get myself hyped because we are gonna now review games three and four. Um, games that were obviously very, a tough pill to swallow. Um, game three alone being a tough. Really tough pill to swallow. Uh, let's go ahead and just talk about that now, uh, GM. The Oklahoma City Thunder beat the Rockets in overtime in Game 3, uh, 119 to 107. And then in Game 4, uh, the Thunder beat the Rockets 117 to 114. The gate, let's talk about Game 3 first. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the first thing that stuck out in my mind mm-hmm. was the five point lead with only X amount of seconds left in the game, and then what proceeded to be a big giant choke job by yes. this team. Mm-hmm. And yes, we can blame refs. Yes. We can blame refs. You but can blame I, your best I, Ben Dubose impression. But no, 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 no skip. No skip. I am not going to I'm not gonna blame the refs. I'm not gonna blame the refs on this game because I, I can't give I can't keep giving excuses to my team. Can't keep giving excuses to my team, Skip. You have to listen and understand that, Skip. Yeah. I can't give excuses to my team. Cause to be honest, this team has had every chance to win the game Absolutely. and they did not. So so Justin, mm-hmm. under that last minute, what what did you see uh we had with that five point lead? Mm-hmm. What was going on with your mindset during that last minute of the game? Did you think it was already in the bag? Did you see us coughing it up? Um, the way that the game was going, <laughs> a part of me was like, it really felt like we were going to cough it up in the sense that Murphy's Law, what can go wrong will go wrong. And that's just the energy that I felt. Up five, I wasn't feeling very confident. OKC was staying in the game. Um, Harden had five fouls, so he can play any physical defense on anybody whatsoever. Um, the one thing that really upset me is that they should not have allowed the game to be put into the ref's hands. The one thing that I'm going to be, I, I understand that the refs missed that call for Eric Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. But if Eric Gordon didn't effing whine all the damn time about a call, or about not getting a call, yeah. maybe the refs would feel a little bit more inclined to give him a call. What I'm saying, the, wasn't but, that the big thing? Also, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, uh-huh. but um, didn't uh, it wasn't wasn't that the big thing about you know uh, during the last dance? Jordan yes. was telling Horace, "Hey, stop bitching, dude! Stop exactly. bitching! You want to beat them? Just beat them. If the refs aren't on, if the refs aren't, I mean, he didn't say this exactly, but he said, you know, if the refs basically aren't on your side, you just got to play, force better. their hand. Exactly. For, yeah. And I feel like." In the sense, that's what we should have done. We didn't. That's what we should have done. I mean, yeah. there were some players who were playing a bit more aggressively. And also PJ making that stupid pass. That was not... I don't know how else to put it, but it literally, in my eyes, it was like watching in, what was it, game one or game two. or I, The I Pacers understand. versus the Knicks when Reggie Miller hit those threes. Absolutely. That's what it felt like because I was like, PJ... Do not pull your best Anthony Mason impression. Do what you do. <laughs> yeah. Who did Harden have on him? Dennis Schroeder. He's had him pinned. Throw it over. Yeah. Okay. How far into the front court were those got? Were the forwards who were over on the other side of the floor? Yeah. Did there was there really? Did they really have enough speed to cover the ground? Because if I'm PJ. I'm throwing it up to my main guy. Even though Eric Gordon, Eric Gordon did not have a good game. He was very sporadic. And the no, fact yeah. that he just he wasn't all there. The he turned the ball yeah. over three times in the fourth. Like, I don't trust the guy. So what do I do? Lob it to James. He has the shorter guy on him. Give him give give put your superstar in the best uh in the best position to succeed, which 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 he should have mm. done. And you're right. And you're right, Justin. Um let me let me just give you this. Also, let qu- me say this. Oh, go ahead. Eric Gordon, Eric Gordon, or Jeff Green should have been bounding the ball. That's it. That's all I got to say. Oh, it's a PJ. PJ is is. I don't know what it is, but it always seems to land in in last minutes of the game. It always seems to land in PJ's hands. Do you remember that New York game where mm-hmm. uh, 
I, it was it, it wasn't this year. It was I, it wasn't this uh-huh. season. It was last season, I think, where mm-hmm. uh, Eric Gordon passes the ball into PJ and PJ purpose. And I mean, he didn't purposefully do it, but for some reason, he didn't think the ball was inbounded. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, there was already there was there was a lapse of judgment there for PJ. So I, I don't understand. He always seems to get it, but he, um, he, he always seems to make yeah. Um, bad decisions inbounding the ball. Absolutely. He's no Robert Ory. No, 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 no. <laughs> Definitely not clutch in that sense. So, Justin, no. I pulled up, I pulled up a stat line here, mm-hmm. and I think this will interest you as well as all of our beards and Brodies that are listening. The Rockets had a one hundred two to ninety seven lead mm-hmm. with about a, with 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 a minute to go. Mm-hmm. All right, now let's go down the timeline here. Let's yeah. see what happens. Yep. Next possession. Easy layup for CP3. I remember vividly. Harden lets him go. Harden has five fouls. Harden doesn't want to follow up. Exactly. Harden has five fouls, so he'll give CP3 the easy layup. Bad defense on their part because you don't put, you shouldn't have put Harden on him. Yeah, you shouldn't have allowed Harden to guard CP3 in that yep. sense because he should not be put into that position. Yep. You do not allow the defense to put pressure on your best player with five fouls. Yeah. It's just, I just don't understand what they were thinking, but go on okay one so the score from there on is 102 to 99 house mm-hmm. steps house steps out of bounds he hits he ends up hitting a step back three but so steps out of bounds to get there down that was with the shot clock running down that's right so it was a bad play mm-hmm. bad bad drop 102 to 99 still mm-hmm. an easy lip for adams if i recall correctly they break down the defense they break mm-hmm. down our defense which leads to an easy adams layup yep. it is 102 to 101 this yep. is where this is where the, this is where it gets key here this is where the Rockets throw it out of bounds, the controversial play, because they said that Eric Gordon trip, which you have attributed to what, what you said earlier, was saying that if he didn't bitch and whine as much, maybe he would have gotten the call. Mm-hmm. PJ for his stupidity. And on top of everything, there was a chance that Steven Adams had touched the ball. Yes. But it shouldn't have gotten to that point. It shouldn't have gotten to that point, and you don't put the power in the ref's hands. Absolutely. Nope. And this is where I showed my frustration live. You have the 102 to 101 lead. You law you you now you know. Okay, well, if we lost, you know, it took forever to review. So you had a chance to drop your defense on the way you wanted it. Mm-hmm. The way the way it was set up was Chris Paul gets the ball at the top of the key. Mm-hmm. They switch. They made they purposefully made a switch. Harden they switched it to our Harden guards CP3. Mm-hmm. Harden gets broken down because Harden can't play too close. Yep. Harden gets broken down by CP3. This is where the mistake. This is exactly where the mistake happens. Jeff Green, Jeff Green is able to recover. He is there. Daniel House, for some reason, is trailing right behind Green, thinking that Green wasn't going to be there. That was probably House's first mindset was that Green wasn't going to be there. CP3 kicks it out to SGA to Shai Gilgis Alexander for the three and the lead. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, so. That was, and then that's when they took the one point lead. Okay, so I just have to talk to you about this because this is pure stupidity on defense mm-hmm. from House's side. Now, granted, yes, the turnover was crucial. Obviously, it's crucial. It's stupid, but you can't let go of the game. You have, you still have the lead. Yeah, right? in, in, in that sense, what happened? Like the defense. So CP three got past Harden, and he got into Jeff Green. Well, Jeff Daniel Green was House, able to get right there. Well, Daniel House shaded away from the corner. He shaded away from the corner when it should have should have stayed home. Yes, you stay home there. That's what when we play. At the park, what does Julio always say? <laughs> Stay home. Because if he's in the center, and if him, he gets, Frankie, yeah. you yeah. let them make the decision on defense. No need to help, depending on the player. But you want them to make the choice and take a harder shot. 
as opposed to giving an open shot to someone else. So in my mind, what is Daniel House thinking? He's look because he's a he's ball watching. He doesn't have faith, and two, he doesn't have faith in Gilgis Alexander's shot. I don't think that they should have done that. Regard, I don't think that the, honestly, I don't think they should have done that. Regardless, just because mm. when CP3 drives into the lane, the team that OKC team is down two. If you're okay, that, if you're OKC, you're down two. If you have to give up the tie, you give Chris Paul the tough layup, and you make him Absolutely. make that tough. You make him make that tough layup because at the worst case scenario, you it's a tied game. Absolutely. But then you put pressure on the now you put pressure on the other side because you gave up the lead now, mm. which which will go in which which we end up going into after house. Missing a free throw. House misses a free throw. He goes one of two, one of two from the free throw line, yep. which leads into overtime. Yep. An absolute critical failure in terms of execution, offense, offensive, offense that they play and defense that they play. Yep. It has been, it was terrible to watch. It was upsetting to watch. And I understand all of you as Rockets fans. Um, for me, that a person that prides himself on defense, I was very frustrated the way that house, because for me personally, it wasn't, if your offense isn't going to fall, your offense is going to fall. If you're going to win the game, you're going to win the game defensively. You yep. had the lead, protect the lead. Yep. If your offense isn't going in, then protect it with your defense because that's what makes, you know, the whole the whole uh the whole saying goes, defense wins championships. And that's exactly what we needed here and what seems house didn't seem to have. Yep. So, with that said, you go into that so with that said, you go into that overtime. Harden fouls out within the first minute. CP3 Basically goes back to point god mode, shooting crazy, jacked up threes. Yeah, goes everything goes in for them. They win by twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, frustration level high because we know we should have had the three. The Shouldn't commanding even three gotten lead. into overtime. It shouldn't. So you do what you. So you they the Rockets knew that they let one go. Mm-hmm. They were they knew that if they were going to lose one, it was probably going to be this one. So let's go ahead and move on to game four. Game four. Stakes are high, obviously. You have a chance to take the commanding 3-1 lead. Rockets start off uh strong. They get about they get a good lead. Uh they get a good lead. End up dwindling here. Uh then it becomes a bit of a seesaw matchup. It's 60 to, then it becomes about 60 to 60 at the half. Yeah. Then in the then let's go ahead and fast forward uh GM to the third quarter. Rockets just go absolutely bananas from three. Look like they're running away with the game. Had a 15 point lead, shot eight for eight from three. Yeah, eight for eight to start the quarter from three. They, they shot could not miss out of the game. <laughs> it was the old. Uh, what, what, what should we say? Yeah. Uh, I remember. Do you remember the '93 Oilers? The old Chuck and Duck offense. It was the. Yeah. That's what it really reminded me of. It was yeah. the run and shoot. It was like mm-hmm. that was the downside of the run and shoot offense because they all got triggered. Oh, we're shooting eight for eight from three. So let's keep going here. Yeah, but we'll, you have to yeah. believe that these percentages are going to even out sooner or later. So if, yep. you, if you see a couple of these not falling, it would force you to want to drive into the lane, right? No, Harden goes 0 of eight from three. Following that, yep. Eight or eight from three. So I have to ask you, GM, question here for you. What were you thinking when when the lead kind of started dwindling? Mm-hmm. And what did you what did you see from the Rockets in terms of uh, just the lack of execution? Well, okay, let me tell you this. Let me preface everything with the fact that I did not get to watch the game. I was keeping up with it through box score because I was currently at work, very very busy, just picking up my phone here and there. Um, what I did see is that we had a big lead at, at one point and it dwindled by the time I was answering emails, the game was tied again. And I was like, what in the hell is going on? And I'm starting to look and see that a, 
certain guys are not getting as many minutes. Uh huh. B. D'Antoni's falling in love with his six man rotation again. And C. And James is getting a little trigger happy with his three point shot. Um, when he starts to get a little confident and his legs get a little tired, he's not going to want to drive in anymore. I understand that. We all do that. We all succumb to settling for jumpers when we're tired. And I guess that's something that was going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do wish that we drove to the bucket more. I can't comment on other guys not driving. Like, I don't know if I if Eric Gordon was being aggressive. He shot decently well in Game 4. Yeah. Was he effective on the floor? I don't know. Uh, Gordon was hitting his threes... He was playing decently, but then after after a while, he and but after a while he ended up missing his threes. He made some really dumb turnovers in terms of what uh in terms of what he was the impact or lack of impact he was making on the floor. He was trying to drive and make moves, yeah. but he lost the ball quite often, and uh, he he wasn't he was infuriating to watch because he whined. He did the old wine and dine type thing. Mm-hmm. He, he was complaining and it led to, you know, crucial mistakes down the, it led to crucial mistakes, which led them back into the game. Now let's move forward here because in the fourth quarter, it ended up being a really, it be, ended up being a defensive. It depend, it ended up being a defensive fourth quarter with this team, um, for both teams. It ended up being, um, the final score ended up being, uh, 25 to, I mean, 25 to 21 in the fourth. So not too much offense being played. We knew it was going to get down to the wire. I know that you didn't watch the game live, but for me personally, someone who did watch the game live, it was frustrating to watch because the defense was there. They had the shots that they wanted from three. That's what Dan Tony said. Could not make the shots that they needed to hit. And on Mm. top of everything, and on top of everything, we need to talk about this because it has to be talked about. The elephant in the room. James Harden, down the stretch. There was a crucial play under a minute to go, Justin. Yeah, he threw the half-court pass. He threw the half-court pass. They had a solidified rebound. You're down one. Yeah. You're down one. Mm -hmm. All you need is a two. You don't even need a three. Yep. You can get fouled and take two free throws for a chance to take the lead here. Yep. You're literally under a minute to go. An eternity left in any type of basketball game Mm -hmm. if you're talking in terms of possessions. Yep. There's an eternity left to go. You don't throw that pass. You don't throw the half court pass. He need, let me on top of this Justin, let me here's the chair here's the per, per, uh, the the piece de resistance on this Mr. Fundamental cake. It was passed to Eric Gordon. <laughs> yeah, I see. I don't I don't understand. I mean, I I I know that what you get is what you get with Harden. It's basically like how when Russell Westbrook forces the issue, you know, and he doesn't shoot very well, but you get you get what you get, the energy. With Harden, you get you take the good with the bad because he does make mistakes. And that sometimes you think, James, don't throw a half-court pass in fourth quarter. And I can guarantee you after the game, that decision is going to eat him up because he knows he shouldn't have done that. He's smarter than that. Absolutely. But we all can regress into certain choices that we like to make instinctively. Right. But the thing is, circumstances change situations. So instinctively, he's thinking, oh, let's go for the fast break. Let's get another possession. Maybe we can get it fast because EG can definitely blast down the court and beat the guys. But then he's not thinking of, um, you know, possessional awareness, 
time awareness. He's not thinking about that because he's trying to think fast. He's trying to make a choice at, um, on the snap of a finger. Of course. Which I totally understand. Yeah, yeah. It's just more so you can't be making that choice at that moment. And I'm hoping that he knows because he knows he's knows deep down that that's a choice he should not have made. There are decisions he definitely should have made, like, you know, going for the threes um, in the fourth. Yeah. But like I said, he's a top three player in the league. He trusts his talent and we respect that. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to let you get, get that, get that across. Mm -hmm. And I respect your opinion. Mm -hmm. I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I know that, that there are people, that there are people listening to this podcast that absolutely do not like James Harden, especially in terms of how he plays in close and clutch game in clutch games. He plays, you know, he is such an enigma of a, of a player. He plays so well. He's he is regarded as one of the greatest offensive players of all time, maybe the greatest offensive player of all time. Yeah, with an endless arsenal of weapons at his disposal. Yep, there has been crucial playoff mistakes in his career that he has done you know dating from i can't you know you talk about the warriors obviously the warriors have been the bane of harden's existence for years now but there was also the crucial game there was also the crucial game six against the spurs where, where he, he was just absolutely gone where he disappeared yep. right Game this five against the Warriors. This in right, this right here is what separates, and I will always. And this is me. This is me talking, and not even being a devil's advocate, because this is what I truly believe. Harden is not of the mold of a Kobe and Michael. It's just not. He never has. He never will be. A killer instinct, a will to win, unstoppable. Will take over a game if he. Ha- will take over a game if he has to in, in in a clutch moment. He just does not have that gene. It's non-existent. Mm-hmm. He makes crucial errors and but it's not just the fact that he made this crucial error i i cannot let it slide because he is a player in his prime he's not young like luka Doncic. luka Doncic makes cross-court pass like that i'll let it go yeah because luka Doncic is a rookie mm-hmm. i'm not letting i'm not gonna let this go from a guy who's been in playoffs year after year after year mm-hmm. after year after year who has seen so many different defenses in his entire career who's played up to the juggernaut of golden state mm-hmm. that has played that who has for god's sakes has played the lebron miami heat who has seen every type of defense possible yet still makes a crucial mistake down the stretch i don't understand that because i know he makes mistakes i get it i understand it he's not perfect how how in the world you're down one. Mm-hmm. You have a chance to take the commanding 3-1 lead. Golden State, I backed him up last pod by saying Golden State is not here anymore. So Harden has free will to succeed with all the confidence in the world because he's one of the greatest offensive players to ever live. Ball's in his hands. Mm-hmm. He turns the ball over for le- with less than a minute. I, I I cannot give him a pass. I cannot excuse him. He has been, that was absolute stupidity at its finest. It is a James Harden moment, and the media is going to eat him alive for that crucial mistake. I don't know if they will, if it's even been talked about, because obviously this is the following day, and I don't know if Nick Wright or, you know, uh, First Things First or First Take is even going to talk about it. Oh, they, for I'm sure us, they will. It is a crucial mistake. For me being a James Harden advocate, for you and me being James Harden advocates from the mm-hmm. day he got traded here in October of 2012. I am so 
sick of seeing these stupid boneheaded mistakes from from our guy mm-hmm. that from our guy that is supposed to be touted as you know the guy that's supposed to lead us to another championship he slut he because of that i'm not blaming it on that one play is the reason why we lost the game obviously the game shouldn't have gotten close mm-hmm. you know you had a 15 point lead you 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 sustained the lead mm-hmm. but at the end of the day the chips fall where they may your harden is the best player on that floor from both teams the mm-hmm. ball was in his hands with under a minute to go why don't you why don't you take the ball down the court mm-hmm. and make something happen yep. why don't you take why don't you take those steps that Kobe and Michael and LeBron and all these greats took? Yep. Why don't you take the ball down the court and make your moment? Yep. For God's sakes, Luka Doncic made his moment. That that last game, he hit a game-winning three, for God's sakes. Yep. Luka had his moment. Mm-hmm. Where is Harden's signature playoff moment? He could have had a playoff moment. Yeah, He could have had a playoff moment just this year, mm-hmm. but he didn't get it. So this is the end of my rant, but I have to just – I had to play devil's advocate with you because – well, your rant was justified. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I am frustrated, and I know plenty of other f- fans that are frustrated. But yeah. I still love the guy. Don't get me wrong; he's yep. my MVP. I'm still gonna back him up at the mm-hmm. end of the day. But I, I have to, I have to, sh- I have to wither my frustration with him because it is. Yeah, it comes to the territory. It comes to the territory because I know there's people that feel the same way I feel, and I know there's some people that feel the same way you feel. Yeah. So I mean, it's just it, it it it's something that comes with it. You you take what you can get. It's like when you accept a loved one for who they are, and no matter how much you want them to change for the better, you love them for their imperfections as much as their their perfections. You know. Yeah, that's right. And that is something that comes with the territory for James Harden. You love him because of what he produces, but you're gonna have to love him because of the negativity that comes with him. You know. So you just accept it. Okay, good point. Uh, good, good points, uh, GM. I, I res- like I said, I, I respect it, but I, I, we're allowed. You're allowed to be frustrated with your superstar. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Like me, do I still love him? Absolutely. Will I back him up to the end of time? I will. I will continue to. Unfortunately, I, I love. I love my beard. I love my beard. I can't. I can't even. I can't. I can't do anything, man. I can't do it. I'm stuck. I'm stuck in love. It's it's a shame. It's hard. But <laughs> let's move. okay. So enough uh, enough of the negative Nancys over here. Let's go ahead and move forward just into a game five now. The crucial game five. The uh, people call this the swing game. Always. This is the swing game. Uh, let's do a quick review here. Let's do a quick review here on game five. The first and foremost question: Does Westbrook come back for game five? Hundred percent comes back. They don't allow this to happen anymore. Like I feel like the fact that they said he's been progressing since before game three, like even during game two, he's been progressing. So I feel like you don't hold him out now. If he's at least 90, 95%, you bring him in, maybe unlimited minutes, allow Austin Rivers to play a little bit more. We'll be fine. Okay. I just don't want d'antonio to fall in love with the fucking six-man rotation he he can't shrink this rotation and i understand that but i I understand i i can understand b mac the the pt that he gets because they hunt him on defense and obviously if they're getting points off of him i understand that i respect that but don't wither the rotation just because of just just because that that's yeah that's what he's known for he's gonna run you he's gonna get you out yep can't do that right you can't do that in that sense and uh 
let's let's uh so what let's say Westbrook does come back. Westbrook comes back and let's you know, the Westbrook comes back. What what do you see here? What are your keys for this game for this Rockets to win the swing game? Game 5. Westbrook needs to get to the basket. That's the thing is like some of these guys are getting there, but in the fourth quarter they have the lanes just the legs are tired. I mean, granted Russell Westbrook has a strained quad, but the way he plays just all athleticism. And if he has somewhat of his athleticism there, he can get past all of them. CP3 ain't keeping up with him. Dennis Schroeder is a great defender, but he doesn't have the size against the Westbrook. No. So I do believe that if Westbrook's in the game, he opens up another avenue. You know, he opens up the corner for them, for every, for all those guys, like a PJ, Rocco, Jeff Green, you know, those guys in the corner. That's what we're going to see. We're going to see more open lanes and Westbrook taking advantage of them. He'll rock the baby a few times. Um, it'll relieve the pressure off of a James. Um, that's what you want. Complete opposite style of game that James Harden has. So you want him to be out there. And what he brings is so many positives. And the fact that it's going to be a different wrinkle against an OKC, even though they know him, it's going to be hard to defend two superstars instead of one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Good points. Good points. And uh, for me, just a, a big key, obviously. Yeah, I mean... Westbrook is really key here, but my my other key here is um, defense, 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 defense. You cannot let Chris Paul beat you. You cannot let Chris Paul beat you off the dribble. You got to stop Dennis Schroeder from getting to his spots. You got to stop uh, Shai Gilgis Alexander from getting to his spots. You got to contain that that triple threat three guard lineup that they have because they have been successful in terms of uh what they've been providing for that OKC Thunder mm-hmm. which has been the which has been uh, the focal point of those three of their of their past two wins. So you need to play great great defense to stop them and tear away at their heart, tear away their confidence here. Yeah. The return of Westbrook should be nothing short of uh the game in my opinion shouldn't even get close. Yeah. Right? I agree. So, uh so with that said, Justin, um, give me uh, give me right now game five. Give me a final score here. One twelve, one oh seven, Rockets. One twelve, one oh seven, Rockets. Okay, all right, yep. I respect it. I'm gonna. I think all games are gonna be close, but I just think that the Thunder cannot always thrive in clutch time. The it's the the needle will turn where the talent will be better. You know, granted their execution's great. They have thirty plus wins. In clutch time. That's because of Chris Paul. Yes. We, 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 know, we know the formula. We I know do the formula. believe that we have the team to break that. So, granted, we can do this. We should do this. It's just a matter of execution. Okay, good point. Um, 112 to 107, I am going to... I'm going to be the... I'm going to be the guy here that's going to... Uh, I'm going to call it out. Give me another blowout. 120. 105. <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a Give it to me. Give a hey, last time I called a blowout, we 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 won. So, yeah. give me the blowout in game 5. Mm-hmm. Give me the blowout. Yeah. Game 5, Westbrook comes back. I uh Westbrook comes back gets uh I'm going to say 28 points. Mm-hmm. Uh efficient shooting. Yeah. And a great game. I'm here for it. Give it to me. 120. 120 to 105. <laughs> I'm, here, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. So, right. you know, like that's uh, that's definitely uh, confident, and I like that. 
We got it. We got to be confident. And 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 for y'all, especially for the Beards and Brodies out there, it's it's been a, a tough last two games. Tough sledding for this team. But like we said, it is what it is. Uh, the GM would agree. It's this team has a high ceiling, but unfortunately, a really low floor. And right now, you're seeing the low floor portion of this team. Yeah. Hopefully, we can. You know, hopefully, we can. Uh, we can strap on. Uh, strap on our rockets and. Uh, you know, go blast back to the off. blast off to the high ceiling where we belong. Yeah. Um. So yeah. All right. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. GM. And uh, that I guess that'll be the end. That'll be the end of this episode, basically, in terms of uh, what we've been able to accomplish and get done. Do you have anything else to say before we uh, before we wrap up? Um. Let's all pray for Russell Westbrook's quad that he does come back. Um. And hey, man, go Rockets! Let's do this. Let's. It's a best of three. We can do this. Let's get it done. Let's get mm-hmm. it done. Good call. Good, good stuff. Good stuff. And, uh, yeah, no, let's get it done. Uh, Beards and Brodies, Rockets fans everywhere, uh, in Houston or around the world, be sure that you guys continue to support this team. I know it's hard. It's been tough and tough on us, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you got to continue to support this team, continue to show out for this team, have faith that this team will succeed. I will always take the glass half full in terms of what this team provides. So I'm going to take it. Um, hopefully Russell Westbrook does come back for game five. If he does not, I still think we can win. It'll obviously be tougher, but I still think we can win regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be close, but I still think we can win. So uh, with that said, big thanks to all of you that have been listening to us. Big thanks to all of our subscribers. Big thanks to all of our uh, sponsors that have been continually supporting us. And a big thank you to all of our followers as well. Uh, be sure to follow us once again on in, on our Instagram, uh, Summit State of Mind underscore Pod. Please listen to us on Apple Apple Podcasts, and we are on Spotify as well. Be sure to continue to watch these games. If you follow us on Instagram, we'll be posting stories. You're always seeing stuff. You're always seeing stuff uh, that we put out. Um, just be on the lookout for all of that and uh, be on the lookout for future episodes as well uh, future episodes we're probably going to end up uh, we've been doing all these uh, we've been doing all these analyzing podcasts I'm, 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 I want to start getting back to the uh, the fun filter podcast so yeah, we, we might end up some fun. we're going to end up doing a couple fun episodes here and there so y'all be on the lookout for that as well yeah. uh, we appreciate each and every one of y'all for uh, just continuing to listen to us continue to support and continue to do that as well for the for us the little podcast that could so uh, with that said uh, with this pandemic going on please uh, please make sure that you're wearing a face mask please make sure that you are washing your hands uh, make sure that you are taking care of yourselves and most importantly take care of each other beards and brody so go Rockets game 5 is going to be tomorrow and uh, tomorrow at 5.30 and like I said go Rockets let's take the let's take the lead 3-2 and let's take the swing game the summit 4-4-4-4